0: to Locked On Mavericks for Thursday, October 6th. We are part of the larger Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, if you have a favorite football team, uh, go search Locked On, that team name, like Locked On Cowboys, for instance. And there's probably a, uh, a podcast for it with daily episodes that you can enjoy. So if you are inclined to uh, take in some more podcast content on a daily level, we're here for you. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's your team, and it's every single day. they got fantasy sports as well. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing. My name is Mike Marshall. I am your host today. Jake has the day off. Lucky for him. I'm sure he's shirtless somewhere. But uh, you can follow me at Machine Sports. You can follow the podcast in general at Locked on, Mavs on Twitter if you're interested in that. What we're going to do today is... Uh, I told you yesterday about a, a new Jonathan Charks article on The Ringer about uh, Harrison Barnes. And uh, if a change of scenery is all he really needs to, uh, you know become the superstar that everyone thought he was going to be coming out of high school. So what did we do? We got Jonathan Sharks on. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, Harrison Barnes, um, him possibly taking over for Dirk in a few years, um, the transition from Parsons to Barnes, and uh, some interesting things on Andrew Bogut as well. So uh, feel free to uh, follow Jonathan on Twitter. I'm pretty sure it's just Jonathan Sharks on uh, on Twitter, but I can check that here in just a second. Um, he's a really good writer. He used to write for... Um, Real GM, and that's where I started following him, and then he, uh, yeah, it is Jonathan Charks, T-J-A-R-K-S, so Jonathan as you would normally spell it, A-T-H-A-N, T-J-A-R-K-S, and he started writing at uh, Real GM a couple years ago, and uh, I noticed he had an interest for Maverick stuff and was really um, insightful and witty with his, uh, with his columns on the Mavericks, and that's when he got my fandom. And I've uh, known him for a little while, and now he writes for uh, the Bill Simmons um, website and uh, called The Ringer. And uh, this week's thing is on Harrison Barnes, and I felt it uh, apropos to have him on to discuss it. And uh, here you go, without any further delay. Here is uh, my discussion with Jonathan Charks about uh, Harrison Barnes and the state of the Mavericks in general. Okay, let's say hi to uh, Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer, the new uh, staff writer. He's local, which is very exciting. Um, I think we were all um, pretty amped up for you, man, whenever the uh, great migration to uh, Bill Simmons land came around for you. I've read your stuff for quite a long time uh, over on Real GM. And, uh, yeah, I guess overall just congratulations and thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me, man.
1: Oh, I appreciate that, man.
0: Uh, are you down in uh, Austin?
1: No, I'm in Dallas. I mean, I grew up listening to Ticket, so, like, I'm a P1 oh, okay. from way back in the day. in oh, high nice. school and stuff, so. I, I yeah. know about the machine. machine <laughs> okay.
0: Perfect. Perfect, man. Only good things. Yeah, Only and not, good things. not Jake
1: Kemp. I don't know about you guys.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, um, we're happy you're at the Ringer and you have a, uh, a new outlet and a uh, – you wrote something on Harrison Barnes this week. I saw you at Media Day asking all the appropriate questions. Uh, I would advise anybody to go check out uh, Jonathan's new article, Is a Change in Scenery All Harrison Barnes Needed? And not to uh, short-circuit the article, but I think the answer is no. (laughs) But uh, you did a really good job of, um, you know, uh, thinking through all the reasons and things like that, I guess. Uh, As we get diving into uh, some of the questions about this transition from Chandler Parsons uh, to Harrison Barnes, Um, I think the most interesting thing that's come out of the the preseason games and even some of the practice open practice and stuff like that is uh, everyone that's watched him kind of says, "Okay, supremely talented athlete. I don't know if he has any kind of feel for basketball. (laughs) And you touched on that a little bit in a uh, much kinder way. But what are are your feelings on his, um, you know, transferring his athleticism and his, you know, number one recruit out of high school talents into uh, actual on court NBA aptitude?
1: Yeah, it just really feels like he's one of those guys in the empty gym where he can jump and shoot and it's like one-on-one play that he looks great. It's just like the five-on-five action and just the flow. And that was really the biggest thing in Golden State a lot of times is he's out there with guys like Clay and Draymond and Steph and they're just really instinctive in what they're doing, whereas Harrison is much more like, I have, to do, I have this to do. I can decide to do A or B. It's like a robot. Like mm-hmm. a, a path of decision, he has to go on to make a decision. Or it's not like I'm just thinking three or four steps along the road, really intuitively. And so it's yeah. always very deliberate, like boom, 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 and it's mm-hmm. never like just flowing naturally.
0: Right. Yeah. And I feel like those isolation possessions you mentioned are like the robot short circuiting. <laughs> like he doesn't know what what B's supposed to be, so he just starts jabbing and takes some yeah. kind of uh, some kind of lazy fade away. Well, it's,
1: and it's also like when he's going to get, going up against someone who's just as fast as he is and just mm-hmm. as tall, it's like, well, what do I do? I have no obvious move to make. So I'm just yeah. going to just throw up a shot really fast. There's no like, I'll go fast because I'm faster than him. Like, right. Harrison's not bad in the post against smaller players because he knows what to do. I'll yeah. back down and I'll shoot it. And if he's up against a guy who's like taller and slower, well, I'll just drive at him. Mm-hmm. But it's these guys who are the same size where it's more about feel for scoring. It seems like… He gets off track, even in that game on Monday against uh, Kid Gilchrist, in their first preseason game. Mm-hmm. That's a tough guy for, for Harrison to score against.
0: Yeah, he was, what, one of ten? Yeah. Um, one of six in the first quarter when he was actually getting some decent looks. Um, yeah, not a great start. I guess let's go there, yeah. Uh, how much do you think, or how many more possessions, or you know, how much of his usage rating do you think will be um, from living in the post and uh, you know, demanding the ball on the block against – um, I mean, he's technically playing up from a three to a four, but he's the same size as the guys that play a four. Um, how much do you think they'll use him in the post?
1: I think with Rick, it'll be very much game by game and even possession by possession, which is mm-hmm. probably best for Harrison, too. Like, don't think too much. Rick will do the thinking for you. He'll put you in these spots and you'll just go off that. I okay. don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's going to yeah. be, I think it's going to be very much like, Tailored game by game for Harrison. It's like Rick's going to do everything in his power to make the match. He's not going to, I mean, he even had a quote in training at um, Media Day where he was like, with more responsibility, it has to come over time. We can't just overload this guy, which is a very polite way of saying, I'm not giving him 15 shots a game right away.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like everyone's being very, uh, very cautious about this whole deal, uh, and particularly him. Whenever I asked him at, uh, At uh, media day, basically, you know, uh, Parsons is gone. He was a go-to initiator of the offense. Felton's gone. He was another, you know, as much as we might not have liked it, he was another go-to initiator of the offense. Are you going to be that kind of guy? And in particular, we're talking about pick-and-roll ball handling. Um, You can just look at the usage percentage and see that, uh, you know, Zaza was a um, a 16 last year. Bogut's going to be like a 10. That's what he's been forever. Um, Parsons was like a 20 and a half last season. Barnes, I hope he gets to that number, but I, I have no idea if he's going to get to it above a 20% usage. And there's just these possessions um, from a team that wasn't great offensively and had a lot of train wreck uh, moments on the offensive end. But there's these possessions that can't be accounted for. Um, and I'm wondering what, if you have any theories on that, do you think, you know, a lot of use of Seth Curry, and a lot of Barea is the answer there, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think you'll see a lot more of Bogut this year. I don't think they're going to have much of a choice, and they'll give him that high post offense, and they'll let him just create either for himself or running guys off screens with Bogut. I'd imagine he's going to be kind of the missing piece when he's in there. And okay. then from – I think it's going to be a lot of Bogut and it's a lot of these little point guards. And that's my big concern with this offense. With Dirk getting older, the 4-3-2 and two spots – I'm not sure how much offense is coming from them. So it's just all point guard running pick and rolls constantly mm-hmm. and then Boga doing stuff. So there's just me less I think there's gonna be less diversity this year than there has been in the past.
0: Yeah. I think Rick uh I think Rick brought that up. How good he thinks Boga can be uh in the post. I guess one encouraging thing from that game Monday night was Wesley Matthews kinda looked like Wesley Matthews. He looked kinda like uh two thousand fourteen West that would actually um you know creep inside the three-point line every once in a while and not act like he was lost so i think a definite usage percentage for him is an an increase in usage percentages uh on the books for him but there's still just like there's gonna be a lot of weird possessions that um i don't think you're gonna get good looks out of my guess
1: is it'll be more like at the end of last year when parsons got hurt and they mm-hmm. slowed the game. And like, we're going to win 95 90 instead of 100 5 100. We're going to yeah. slow the game, play better defense, and just kind of hold the ball and give Dirk his shots and just yeah. try to win games on defense this year. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, what this defense can be. And on paper, you think it's automatically better because, you know, Bogut is one of the better defensive players in the league. The problem is, I mean, what do you, if you max out his minutes, what do you get 25 minutes a game? At most, and then Barnes. You assume Barnes has more flexibility um, and versatility, and you know, in terms of positions, he can guard. But um, what are your feelings about how good this defense can be? Can it be good enough to make up for their their offensive inefficiencies?
1: I will say one thing about Bogut. One thing I have heard just through the NBA grapevine is that contract year Bogut, like he's going to want to play a lot more than normal because he mm-hmm. knows this is his last contract. And I Mm. think the Mavs are like, you know, it's like leasing a car. You got it for a year. Let's just run this thing into the ground. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. they are probably not going to give him a long-term deal. And he wants to prove to other teams he can play big minutes. Mm. So I expect they're really going to lean a lot on Bogut. And they're going to hope their training staff – kind of deal with like with Tyson where he had those two good years where he's healthy all the time in Dallas – Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's probably the biggest question mark, if they can keep Bogut healthy, because he's such a big part of them on offense and defense this season. What they yeah.
0: Want. And that that makes a lot of sense as to why he would pick here, too. Um, I think that was kind of shocking that he picked Dallas over Houston. Um, but if Houston's trying to break in Clint Capella and make him, you know, a full on starting center uh, going forward, then they don't have that many minutes for Bogut and his value. He can't he can't raise his value. To uh, you know what he thinks it should be going into his free agent year. So that's that's a really good point. Um, okay, one question uh, that Jake sent along that I will uh, I will be the mailman for. Uh, do you think that Harrison Barnes, for certain possessions, he'll be you know the uh, the number two option. Uh, every once in a while, he might be the number one. Do you think those will be better looks or better quality? um shots or chances for him than uh he got in Golden State being the you know fourth and maybe at most the third best option in their offense.
1: I mean it's tough to say. Because mm. he'll definitely get more possessions. But I mean just I think the biggest thing is not playing with Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Like he he had a point guard who was in a double team every single time, could get at it in and get him an open shot. And I think that's my biggest concern with Harrison this year. It's just who's going to get him open looks on this team.
0: Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that was the problem last year. That was the problem with the Mavericks last year is they had no shot creation, and nobody, nobody made a defense rotate. Like, it was if you didn't beat your man and uh, throw up a low-percentage shot, then that possession was just, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, I really love the final line in your, uh, in your article here. It says, The Mavericks spent the f- uh, past five years looking for players to compliment Dirk, They might have just ended up with the guy who is going to replace him. What's your confidence level in Harrison Barnes, um, I guess, at the four overall and growing into uh, playing the four primarily um, in the future? I'm saying like maybe even after Dirk uh, says goodbye.
1: Yeah, I think if he's going to be any kind of special, interesting player, it'll be as the four. And I I think going back all the way to his rookie year in Golden State and that first playoff run, they went to the second round, they beat the Nuggets, they played the Spurs in six games. And Barnes was one of the main catalysts because what happened was David Lee got hurt and they moved Barnes to the four. And this was before like Draymond Green really blew up as a player. So Harrison's playing like 35 minutes a night against guys like uh, Kenneth Fareed and Tiago Splitter. Mm. And that's where I think he actually has a real advantage. Because he's his probably biggest plus is how strong he is for a three. He can guard bigger players in the post and now he's got a big speed advantage on them. And all yep. of a sudden, instead of going up against guys who are like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, threes, he's going up against 6'10", six, six, mm-hmm. And you live with them in the post on Harrison and you say, just run. Get past them. Get to the rim.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: kind of think that's the way the league is moving in general. You're just seeing smaller and faster players at the four all the time. I, I feel like he had like Dirk, KG, Duncan, and that was the era of like the big seven foot, the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like that guy's playing at the five, the three's playing at the four. I think, I think that's probably, and then you play Harrison at the four, he can switch screens on defense, your team is just much faster. Yep. And that's probably where he makes sense as a player long term. I mean, Golden State, like the best lineup they had was him at the four. I had some stats in the article. When he was playing with Bogut and Draymond, he was just a very average player on the perimeter. But then when he's playing at the fourth one with one of those guys is on the floor, the floor is more spread. He's getting better looks. He's a much more effective player.
0: Yeah. Those stats were great. Uh, Where would you get the NBA Wowie? Is that what it was from? Yeah. That's a really yeah. solid site For a
1: for hardcore NBA nerd out there, NBA Wowie is very, very easy to use, very intuitive. And it's great for like lineups like that. Like how does yeah. he play with this guy's in, with this guy's out, that kind of thing.
0: Awesome. Add that to your book, bookmarks, everyone. Um, yeah, I think – I don't know if it was two or three years ago – um, where it just kind of slapped me in the face that the power forward position um, had become a position of foot speed. And it might have been that, that Rocket series, whenever they were rolling Josh Smith out there, and he was just cooking Dirk. Um, yeah. And they were just putting him in a blender. They would Whoever Dirk was guarding, they would bring him up and start a pick and roll with it. And I was like, dude, the power forward position, you can't live with that kind of foot speed anymore. And I guess that's a little bit encouraging from Harrison Barnes that he is the new wave of uh, of power forward. But uh, a couple of uh, contract questions and, uh, you know, just big picture ideas for you. Um, would you take Harrison Barnes' contract right now or Chandler Parsons? Uh, I mean, they're, they're identical. Four for 94, obviously. Which one would you rather have on your roster?
1: I will say I think Parsons is a much better player. Mm-hmm. But... He's older, and that knee, he's not even healthy yet. Yeah. That's supposed to be six weeks. It's been six months. (laughs) Yeah. And that happened last year, too, with his knee and the year before that. So, like, if I was a doctor and I knew for sure that Parsons' knee would hold up, I'd probably go with Parsons. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing is, like, with the Mavs, with Dirk, you would think you'd want the player who's ready to win now. Yeah. But, like, as in my opinion, with the way this team is, this is a long-term build now. And it's nice Dirk's around to keep it competitive, but... You have to look three, five years down the road. So it feels like Barnes, he'll be around longer. He's probably he's healthier. So long term, i take Barnes. But I definitely think this year, if Parsons can stay healthy, it's going to look bad at times.
0: Yeah. The only way I can rationalize like what they did to Parsons and how cold they were to him um, and how you know, borderline disrespectful they were with their offers is they got his MRI and his knee and it looked like the inside of like a garbage disposal or something. Like I can't rationalize letting Parsons go for the same dollar figure that you're that you're signing up for Harrison Barnes. Um, Because like you said, Chandler Parsons is just a better player at this moment and probably a better player for the next 18 to 24 months, quite honestly.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing about that. And they're telling Parsons, man, you got to sacrifice for the team, this, that, and the other. And he's like, I just watched you give Wes Matthews a max contract. I just watched him play all season on one leg. Like, get out of here. That's not happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. That got sideways real quick. And I think, I don't know about you, but I assumed that Parsons, maybe a month left in the season, I just assumed Parsons would pull into the AAC, leave the car running, uh, hop out, and go – Go sign a 4 for 94 max offer sheet um, with no questions asked at the end of the season. But obviously that didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you it really feels like something with that knee. The Mavs yeah. do seem to know about guys when they let him go. They do seem to have a pretty good feel, like Vince Carter.
0: Yeah. Like as and, soon as he
1: left Dallas, Tyson too a little bit.
0: Yeah, and Marion as well. Yeah, they, they'll call their shot on that. Um, okay, so if you could get rid of one contract – that is on the Mavericks uh, cap sheet right now, which one would you get rid of?
1: Oh, man. I, f- I feel like in a way, it doesn't even really matter with the contracts because his mm. team can't get good players in free agency anyways. They just need <laughs> younger, better players. Right. Like, what's the, what's the point in getting rid of a contract? I guess you have to go with Wes. It doesn't feel like he'll be worth that over the long yeah. haul. But at least Wes is a good locker room guy. He helps. You know, he's competitive. Right. Like, I'd rather just get some young, talented players in here. I don't... I don't feel like money is the big thing holding this team back in any any way really.
0: Yeah. Um, most likely to be traded on the Mavs roster.
1: Most likely to be traded. Jeez. Who
0: – they got a bunch of guys
1: on one-year deals. They got Harrison. West probably can't be traded.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I think... don't
1: see who they make a trade with.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, Wes is the only one maybe? I can think of. There you go. Dwight Powell's a good one.
1: If, if, like, he has a good year and then he has a long, he's a long-term piece. People want young guys on guaranteed contracts. That's what you have to trade, and Dwight's really the only one even close. Maybe yeah. Sala. If Sala has a good year, I don't know what his contract is.
0: Yeah, he is. Where is Sala? Let me click on him real quick and make sure. Uh, yeah, he's locked up through 18-19. Uh, um, and that is a non-guaranteed on that last year. Yeah, so that's a really workable contract. Um, all right. I heard uh, Kevin Pelton a couple weeks ago predict that the Mavericks would finish 13th in the West. I think it was just some kind of projection that he ran. Um, I don't quite feel that way. And if I'm being a homer, that's that's totally fine. I can take I can take that label with pride. But uh, I don't think 13th is realistic. I think if if Wes Matthews um, turns into eighty percent of West Matthews from Portland and Harrison Barnes, you know, isn't a uh isn't a tire fire overall, then I think they can challenge for, you know, eighth seed maybe. And uh I think I'd feel comfortable saying they're the ninth best team in the West. How are your uh what say you? What are your feelings?
1: I for the last few years I've I've kinda of been waiting for the Mavs to fall off. And I feel mm. like eventually you'll get it one right if you pretend them to fall off. <laughs> I'd say to me, Bogut and this is going to sound crazy, but Berea, if mm-hmm. those two guys can stay healthy, I think Rick can figure out. That's the thing with Rick Carlisle. That's the big advantage they have. Like, look what happened last year at Parsons getting injured. Mm-hmm. Rick changed the whole team like in a week and a half. He changed mm-hmm. the whole identity of the team, the whole game plan, the whole rotation, and he, he made something else work. Because once you get in a season, you never know what's going to happen. Guys get hurt, things happen. You have to change on the fly. And so many of these coaches, they really can't do that very well. Mm-hmm. And the t- that just loses games. The Mavs just – I'll will be boring. I'll say 40, 42 wins in the eighth seed again somehow. Okay. I don't think they're the top eight teams in terms of talent. But I'll say if Bogus stays healthy, Rick will find a way.
0: Yeah, I think that is the advantage of Rick Carlisle. Like people um, always love to uh, you know, cite how he'll use every single person on the bench at some point during the season. But I think the real advantage is in moments like that when Parsons goes out or Darren is sidelined for two weeks in a row, a lot of teams would just swoon. They would win one of their next six and fall into a dumpster. But Rick Carlisle somehow figures out a way to keep them at 500 or just right below and keep them afloat. And I feel like that's part of his genius. And uh, I, I feel the same way you do, man. It's um, for the longest time I've had, you know, tattooed on my arm that Dirk plus Rick equals 40 wins uh and you just build on top of that with how good you can construct your roster um but when does that end when does that time frame and that that little cheat code that they've used when does that run out and i don't think it's this year i think it's soon obviously might be when dirk exits but um all right man well i've kept you long enough i'll let you i'll let you uh get on with your day i appreciate your time and uh, enjoy your work on the ringer. I would uh, advise everybody to uh, check out all the stuff you do on there. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll just say one thing to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. If there was ever a year to be bad, this would be that year. There's oh, yeah. going to be like three or four or five really good big point guards in this draft.
0: Yeah, for and sure, And that would man. be
1: really nice to have a long-term piece. So if things go south, this is the year for them to go south.
0: Awesome. Yeah, let's have you back on uh, later in the season. We'll talk about those uh, those point guards, all right? All right, cool, man. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. All right, bye.